The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. For my money, Crosswinds offers the best value of any public course in Ontario. And believe me, I've played a lot of them. Not only does Crosswinds offer a championship par 72 golf course in immaculate condition, but Crosswinds also has amenities that other public courses just don't have. New power carts with GPS. Oh, it's so cool because you're right next to the ball and it tells you exactly how far it is to every part of the course, not just the middle of the green. How far is it to that bunker? All that stuff. It's very cool. Um, there's five sets of tees for golfers of all abilities, million-dollar views of Rattlesnake Point and Mount Nemo, and, of course, the nicest, friendliest people who provide the finest customer service you will ever experience. And customer service is pretty important. You'd think you were playing at a private club, but nope. Crosswinds is public. So what are you waiting for? Go to crosswindsgolf.com, book your tee time today, and don't forget to tell them that Hebsey sent you. Now, Mike, can we please start the podcast? Live from Toronto, it's Hebsey on Sports, episode number 251. Hi there, sports fans. Mark Hebsher here in the Little Italy studios. Toronto Mike there, running the mothership from New Toronto. We'll talk to him in a second. But first of all, what a show today. This, this will be our best show. Because this is so chock full of topics that there are certain sports we can't, we can't talk about. We, we won't have the time and we won't do them justice. So stuff that I'm interested only is what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> only me. We will not be talking about the WNBA playoffs. We won't. Because nobody knows where the Mystics, the Mercury, the Liberty, the Sparks, the Storm, the Sky, the Lynx, or the Wings even play anyway. And when they put their scores up there... They only put them the name of the nickname of the team. They don't even tell you what city they're in. And when Toronto gets a team, I want to know. All right? Like, oh, the Togos, who are they? Oh, that's the Toronto team. The Sky? Who are they from? Blink, Blink. Anyway, we're not going to be talking about the WNBA. We are going to be talking about the Blue Jays. And is it time to drop George Springer from the leadoff spot in the order already? How much more evidence do you need? And for those of you who think that I hate George Springer and want him to fail, you're 100% wrong. I'm a Blue Jays fan through and through. I want what's best for the team. I'm not sure George Springer wants what's best for the team. He wants what's best for him. And his pride is getting in the way. And Charlie Montoyo's pride. Oh, he's comfortable in the leadoff spot. He's not comfortable in the leadoff spot. He's four for his last 40. So we'll talk about that. And they're thinking of playing him in center field? Oy vey. With crutches? <sighs> $150 million man. This is the most important time of the year. Chance for you to get into the playoffs. And they're playing like a bunch of bums. Big upheaval in the sports media world. Don't know if you heard. Leo Routon's gone from Sportsnet. Jim Houston gone from Sportsnet. Mike Zigomanis gone from Sportsnet. And others nutmegged. You know what I mean by nutmegged? Shelved? Right in the balls. Oh, okay? okay. You got somebody, like in soccer, a nutmeg is when you put the ball between the, your, your opponent's legs and beat them that way. That's your nutmegging them. I had no idea. Right? But the word nut, of course, you know. Sure. You know. Anyway, yeah, that's what happened. You know, Sportsnet. Think of all the people that they've let go. All white guys. Just think about that. And don't even get me started with Raptors Radio and the TV crews, the two sports networks. Who's with who? Leo's not there, but uh, uh, Sherm, but is he over there with 
Wait, Jones, uh, Smith, uh, Matt, is he, who, what, Jack, hello, what, who's with who? Who are the sideline reporters? Why don't they just have one crew? Okay? Doesn't matter what network, I don't, do I care what network it's on? Do I care if it's channel 33 or 32? It doesn't matter to me, but give me some consistency with the broadcast crews. I know I'm going on and on, but it's my damn show. Um, we're going to get into the Ryder Cup, which is going on as we speak, okay? It's the U.S. versus the world, versus Europe, actually, but, you know, that's the way they look at it. Um, we'll talk about Jack Eichel, Tyler Bertuzzi of the Red Wings, who won't get vaccinated, Andrew Wiggins of Golden State, who won't get vaccinated, other people who won't get vaccinated. We'll also talk about people who have been fully vaccinated, including uh, our good friend uh, Toronto Mike over there. How's that for a segue? What a week in sports. Holy cow. Lots to talk about today, and I don't think anyone has the right to complain if you only want to talk about the sports that you're interested in, because the title of this show is literally Hebsy on Sports. I think it's inferred this is Hebsy on Sports. No way for a second did I ever think (laughs) of watching a second of a WNBA game. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, I had no idea. Now you know. Now I know. Now Today I learned. (laughs) How how you doing, Hebsy? How you doing there in uh, Little Italy? Really good. Good. Looking forward to um, a nice weekend. Hopefully no rain. That rain the other day was just too much. Oh, a lot uh, of rain. Two, two, two games at Crosswinds wiped out by, because oh, yeah. of the rain and the conditions this week. You know, it was if, terrible. If I may say, as a, a friend and colleague of yours, uh, that you seem to be like peaking. This seems to be peak Hebsy. You you are just on fire, like creatively. You seem so happy. I think my you're ego a, has gotten the best of me. <laughs> I think you're in a good place in your life. Our like, friend Ian Service provided the latest numbers for the show, and I am gobsmacked. You're kicking ass, taking names. What's well, going on? because it's it, it's. It's omnipresent. People are always talking about numbers. What are the numbers like on the fan morning show? Yeah. What are the numbers? What are the numbers? It's, right. And remember, I told you 190. I sold 190 of those. Yeah. You know, things. And, and things. like, sorry, you know, the numbers just didn't add up, Mark. You know, the numbers. Are, and I'm right. sure that when they tapped Jim Houston on the shoulder or tapped Leo on the shoulder, uh, tapped Ziggy on the shoulder, it was like, oh, how much money can we save? Uh, you know, if we have these people are gone and in the package. Or the, it's just all about numbers now. Well, we need George to- Springer makes 150 million. If I didn't know he made 150 million, if no one knew what his salary was, would it make a difference? Sure. Sure. But once I- you know that this guy's making that much, and once you know that person's position, and some bean counter goes, you know, if we can convince uh, Houston to retire, if we can get rid of Zigamanis, and if we can find a way, I don't know how we're going to do it, but if we get Leo Routens to admit that he's just too white, <laughs> and in this current culture of basketball certainly we we can't have all white guys on our broadcast crew you know where there's diversity we need to have people of color we need to have uh, persons with disabilities we need to have females we have to have everyone represented and we're looking at our basketball coverage going hmm and i don't have to tell you who's white and who's black you know that but optics are everything in television Everything. Don't forget that. Ever. Are we getting into this right now? Are we going to do Jays first? Just a second, all right? Only because I got questions. <laughs> well, go ahead. Ask your questions. Does it like? Does this bother you? Let's say they did intentionally, because it's possible Sportsnet wanted to diversify their uh, NBA coverage, right? The, the, the players, the, the, the audience, they're diverse. Why shouldn't the uh, broadcasters be diverse? So if it's possible... Are you that- telling me that Alvin Williams 
is anywhere near as good a Raptors broadcaster as Leo Routens. Now, just remember, Alvin Williams is a member of the organization. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether he's currently employed by the Raptors, this is a guy who is a player, assistant coach, director of player development. But sure, but- so he's a Raptor. So what happens is when the time comes, if the team needs to be criticized, you're not going to get Alvin Williams doing any criticism. But Leo Routens, of course, because Leo Routens is an analyst and Leo Routens doesn't care, right? He's not under the thumb of the Toronto Raptor organization when it comes to being critical. But Rogers already owns a good chunk of this this basketball team. Like Rogers, they're already in bed together. Like it's already forget the fact they're partners on the broadcast side. They literally, I think it's thirty seven point five percent of that team is owned okay. by Rogers. All right. So, so, so if you're so going down that road, Leo there's already the an, say, okay. Go ahead, sir. Leo, it's been a great twenty five years, and we know that people grew up with you, but the culture's changed, and you're a sixty one year old white guy. Now. Mm-hmm. If we didn't know about color and didn't care, we would say, just give me the best guy. Give me the guy who's best, the guy who knows. But is it important today to the executives at Rogers that their broadcasters are of a certain vintage? Like, do, do, Is it important that Leo was there from day one and can reference Damon Stoudemire and Oliver Miller and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Or is it more important that whoever's sitting next to Matt Devlin is – more urban, more culturally in tune with today's basketball fan. Diversity is not a bad thing, Hebsey. And I think that I you to, to, to judge, okay, so 20 something Give me the years, best guy okay, or but, girl. But, it, but, but, hey, by but, the way, uh, the NBA has two female play-by-play callers this year on radio. Full-time play-by-play caller females, two of them. They good. just hired Kate Scott, the Philadelphia 76ers. And I can't think of the other woman's name, and I apologize, uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks. Right? Now, they're good. They're good. They know basketball. They know the league. They know the NBA. They're young. They're hip. Right? They can probably do, I don't know, but they can probably give you crossover stuff from WNBA, from women's college basketball, as well as men's college basketball. And so they've got the background for it. And maybe they've got the pattern that today's audience wants to hear. That's the way it is. You don't like it too bad, right? You're saying you're being racist, Hebsey, or you're reading too much into it. Maybe I am. I would just like to point out that how good was Leo Rowden's those first couple of years? Like he had a couple of decades to hone his skill and get better. And it's it's highly possible that Alvin Williams is going to uh, put in his reps and get get better and maybe be an even better analyst than Leo Rowden's at the end of the day. Like you can't, you know what I mean? He's He's had that spot for two plus decades. It's okay to freshen it up and give someone else a chance to improve. I didn't uh, say it wasn't. Okay. But but is Alvin Williams going to be learning on the job? Because I saw Alvin Williams enough times doing his little inserts on with the panel, which is the easiest thing in the world. You ask a guy a question, he's got knowledge, he gives you the answer. So I played a different story. Or And obviously, pairing with Matt Devlin, who from everyone I've spoken to is the easiest guy to work with. Right. He'll make you look great. He makes Jack Armstrong look great. He makes Leo look great. And whoever he works with when he's done baseball games, he's just a superb, smooth play-by-play guy who allows the analyst, the color man or color woman, to do their job, right? Like a traffic cop too, but he calls the play. But they get engaged. They get into conversations. He can, he'll can. he ask Jack or Leo during the course of play what they think, you know, poke the bear a little bit, right? Right. 
So will Alvin Williams and, and um, Matt Devlin make a great team? That takes time. You don't just drop two people together. And are fans willing to, you know, go through that? Well, I guess they don't have any choice. But again, yeah. um, th- the optics of it are, and if you remember that famous poster that the fan 590 had, a bunch of old white guys, eight or 10 of them, McCowan, Jeff Blair, on and on and on. Stephen Brent. Take a look at the Raptors um, broadcast crew. You've got Sherman Hamilton and you've got um, Paul Jones. But Paul Jones is always doing radio play-by-play or color, mm-hmm. right? His, right? I mean, you see him occasionally. They'll go to him as a guest. And he's very good, Paul. Has been for years. But he's ra- but he's radio. And Sherman Hamilton, you'll see on TV, on Raptors TV and stuff like that. And, and, and as a, you know, a, a studio guy. But does he have that presence on television? No, not the same way. Now with Alvin Williams, you're going to have that. It's going to be more diverse looking. So that's... The answer to your question, is that all right? Well, I don't think there's an answer, but it's possible that one of the reasons for this change is money, right? Like we always talk about cutting costs. So the fact that he, you know, Leo's been there a couple of decades, maybe he, maybe they got Alvin for a much smaller price tag. Maybe they went to Leo and said, look, Leo, we can't offer you the money that we did before. We're going to offer you this, which many networks, not just sports networks, people are offering. Uh, the the story of um, Kenny Maine and the ESPN, you know, they had offered him a f- like a forty percent cut, right? And he was like, "No, you can't treat me that way." And so, I, it's quite possible. Again, the bean counters at Rogers went, "Look, Leo, um, right. you know, we can you can keep working here, but you're going to have to take a lesser role and for less money." And I don't know what Leo's status is at TSN. He's still is there. Is he still going to be part of TSN's studio show? Yes. With Rod Black? I don't know about Rod's back. I don't know if Rod Black is back, but uh, definitely Leo said on Twitter today that he's part of the TSN okay. broadcast. Good. Good. The rest of the TSN broadcast is uh, changed also? No, it's the same. It's Jack Armstrong with Matt Devlin on TSN. See, that's the other thing is I looked at the schedule and it's almost like every game that's on Sportsnet television, the radio game is on TSN 1050. Yeah, that's how they do and it. Every game that's on TSN television, the radio game is on Sportsnet radio. It's just, but yeah, why that's can't uh... they just, why can't they come up with like, like, okay, share it on two stations, but I don't understand why you have to have a different crew on a different station. But that's the deal. That way they each get a little, taste of whatever game that is like i think I guess but the, i guess uh, we're the used fairest to, way the blue to do Jay- it well mind you with the blue jays we've got different <laughs> play-by-play guys too from different places but but it, they're all rogers productions all 162 games except for the youtube game right is rogers productions right and, and here you're pretty much using i'm i'm pretty sure it's the same crew with a few exceptions it's i, I gotta believe it's same camera people right tsn's like okay you're not in for this game this is a sports night game I got. I think that's somewhat of an inside production, Raptors production, and the the producers are from you know from TSN and or Sportsnet. Yeah, it might even be like a like a Dome Productions or something that just does it for yeah, either yeah. or, right? Yeah. But, but so the viewer just, doesn't know that; doesn't care. 
No, the viewer doesn't the care. the best possible coverage? And the viewers, Let's, the consistency, of course, is that no matter what station you're watching the game on, you know Matt Devlin's making the call. Like, that is your, uh, I guess that's your main consistency uh, I across so. the... Uh, but I, but I, 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 okay, Things so, change, though, Mike. It's, it's so well, change, different I'll in say broadcasting this. now. Change sucks, right? Like, people love Chuck Swirsky, right? And they're like, oh, my God. Like, like people loved him, right? Uh, yeah. uh, ham and cheese. What was it? Salami and cheese? I can't remember anymore. What was his big catchphrase? Salami. Onions. Yeah, he had a few of them. But then we all kind of got used to Devlin and winning a championship helped. And he turns out Devlin's pretty damn good at this. I think change is tough. Like, we, I think we, we liked the fact Leo was like a consistency through the decades. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone. And we have to get used to somebody else. But rest assured, we will adapt. And we might end up even liking Alvin uh, at the end of the day. So, you right. know. What happens, what happens when Jack Armstrong reaches the Leo Routens um, limit of however many years? Then what happens? I don't know. Jack is sort of a, a larger than life presence. Uh, larger than Leo? Yeah, I think so. I think Leo's consi- I think Leo's very good, and he's consistently, but he doesn't have the same uh, razzmatazz as a Jack Armstrong. <laughs> Jack Armstrong has more shtick. No, Jack's got shtick, right? So I feel like he's more memorable, maybe noticeable. You're telling you're telling me that Leo didn't have shtick, and that's why he's out. And Jack. No, 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 I'm saying that I think play by play. I think it'll be uh, more difficult to replace the guy with the 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 beloved shtick than the 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 you know the decent the good quality uh analyst don't you think we're gonna get it to houston and the other ones later oh you want to do that later okay well yeah because i want to get to the blue jays because we're living and dying with this team i'm not living and dying with leo routens being on the i mean as long as the raptors games are still on right but i don't know how much longer we're going to be watching blue jay baseball we're hoping for playoffs and more but let's get into it i want to make one thing perfectly clear uh, I'm a Blue Jays fan and have been since day one. And even when I worked in the media, the traditional terrestrial media, it was very hard to mask my love for the team. So I had to sort of be extra critical a lot of times in order to, to appear to be impartial, to balance it out. But deep down, you know, I'm a good journalist, I think, but deep down you've got feelings and, you know, that you can't just turn off. You can't not be a, Jays fan, if you were your whole life from the time you were a kid, you just can't. So you got to balance that. And so when I say things like, you know, George Springer's being wasted at the top of the batting order in a pennant race because the manager feels some sort of obligation to him and his $150 million contract, I hope you'll understand. It's not personal with Springer. I want the Jays to win. Number one, I don't care who contributes to it. I want to see my team win. George Springer wasn't here for all the years that I was a Jays fan and he'll be gone and I'll still be a Jays fan. You got that? You so che- it's not personal with Springer. I want him to do well in the grand scheme of things with the team, but I can't see him playing at less than hundred percent hurting the team. And for this being allowed to continue, do you see where I'm hurting here? He's four for his last 40. Four for 40 with zero RBI in the leadoff spot. Never dropped down. God forbid. Buck Martinez is always saying he's comfortable. He's more comfortable in the leadoff spot. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he's more comfortable in the leadoff spot. Well, I'm more comfortable making $150 million. So it's not personal. So when someone says, so when Springer gets a hit and somebody tweets out, hey, Hepsi, Springer. You, you got it wrong, man. You got it fucking wrong. I want him to do well, but he's not 100%, and he's hurting the team. Name me another leadoff hitter for a contending team 
that's gone four for 40 with zero RBI. You can't name it. I dare you. That person doesn't exist, except George Springer does on a team that's one game out of a playoff spot. And now with a freak injury to Lourdes Goriel Jr., who the fuck kneels in front of a guy that's throwing the ball back to the infield, puts his hand down? Who does that? That is the goofiest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen an injury like that before, ever. Your teammate spikes you on the hand because you're kneeling down so that he can throw. And then when he throws, he's got to like leapfrog you. The hell. So guess what? Charlie Montoyo is forced to play Springer in center field now. He, he's not going to do it in Toronto on the artificial turf. He's got three games left in Minnesota. Guess what? He's got no other choice now. You're going to have to put Springer out there in center field. And I'm not sure that's a great defensive move because you got to free up the DH so that Alejandro Kirk can DH or, or somebody other than Springer can play that spot. You can free him up. Should he be dropped in the batting order? He should be benched. He's four oh, for 40, but wow. you can't do that. There's nine games left in the season. You've rolled the dice. You've allowed him to play leadoff. He's going, please let me try. I know I can do it. He's hit some balls hard. Of course he has. But man, he's four for 40. And when you're four for 40, you don't go, ah, tomorrow he'll just snap out of it. I mean, he probably will, right? Because that's the way baseball is. You go four for 40 and then you go 10 for your next 29, whatever. But man, we're running out of time here. And he's hitting leadoff and he's not helping the team hitting leadoff. He came up with the bases loaded, could have been a hero or at least could have gotten the Jays closer because we know how the Jays are in the late innings. All you need, need is one run, open the floodgates a little bit. Here comes the top of the order. Top of the order is, oh, it's Springer. Then it's Simeon. Then it's Flatty. Then it's Bo. Then it's Teoscar. But it starts with Simeon, with a Springer, and you can't have him there. So go with Simeon. Go with Bo as the leadoff man. Drop, drop Springer down in the order. I mean, you can't take him out. You can't just bench him, can you? I mean, Charlie couldn't do that. But you got to win. You lost 7-2 to two last night to the fucking Twins. You can't afford to do this. And all this drama going on while the Jays are still trying to get past this Kevin Kermeyer, pick a card, any card, saga, if you want to call it, soap opera, directed and produced by Arash Madani, who's down there. Instead of just like, oh, here's Charlie Montoyo, here's Pete Walker and doing the interviews and the inserts, he finds this story, this story of a card flipping out and, oh, my God, in front of the cameras, Kevin Kermeyer took a card and put it in his pocket and wouldn't give it back to the Bat Boy. Now, I've been reading some other stuff. I, this Bat Boy has not been quoted. <laughs> it's all unnamed sources, okay? Mm. Yesterday, a, rash, a, a Blue Jays pitcher told me that he would have hit Kiermaier as well. That was the quote. Really? A Blue Jays pitcher. Come on. I mean, everybody, oh, I want to hit him too. That's an ill-timed hit. You don't do it when you're in the thick of a freaking pennant race and you're risking losing Barucki. Not that he's been any great shakes. Losing your manager and also being a distraction from the task at hand, which is win the game. Don't get distracted by Kevin Kiermaier. He's not public enemy number one. That wasn't theft. He didn't steal something. Are you telling me that if George Springer, speaking of stealing, <laughs> you know, Houston Astros, now that we're bringing it up, but let's just say it was Springer. Let's say it was Vladdy. I don't know. Let's say it was Corey Dickerson. Slides into home, sees the card, picks up the card. You're telling me they wouldn't? You're going to say, oh, here, I'm going to give it back to you? 
even even all over the internet and Twitter, it's like finders keepers. You've got a 50-50 split with this whole story. And I don't even think it's a story. I think it's much ado about nothing. Right. Stealing signs, gamesmanship. What's going on here? The, the information that was on that, what is this? Mission Impossible? That it should self-destruct if it comes out of your wristband or out of your cap or your back pocket? Right. Can you imagine? Seriously. What other sport is like that? You're set for the face-off. Wait a second. Crosby's taking off his helmet. He's checking the inside. He's got the code. No, no, even better. The helmet advertising has a QR code that gives you the signals. Okay, where's it gonna, where are we supposed to line up for this one Pepsi, here? If this information was so vital, you'd memorize it. You wouldn't exactly. write it down. <laughs> but when I, whenever I see guys looking at their thing, and I see more, more cross-ups now in baseball than I've ever seen. The catcher's waiting for a fastball. Here comes a curveball. Catcher's expecting a curve. There's a high fastball. With all this information that's going on in the signs, this whole thing with signs has, has really become ridiculous. You're trying to steal my signs. Well, guess what? Do a better job revealing them or concealing them. But the card comes out of the catcher's wristband? Right. Come on. And who we've got a story here. You know, I mean, and good for a rash. I mean, look, you're down there by yourself. There's no broadcast crew. It's you. I think Shai Davidi was with him. And down it is a story, Hebsey. Like, regardless of your thoughts on it, it is a story. Right? This is, is a story. It? It's but definitely, it? you know, we but watch what, these. What's the, tell me films. what the story is. <laughs> the retaliation by the Jays. No, it's it's more of an unwritten code discussion, like uh like like because he did pick that up and he kept it and showed it to the manager and everything. And is there an uh, an honor amongst thieves? Like it is an interesting Apparently not. Right. So is it all is yeah, it all oh, fair by the in way, love and I war? Just want to let you know, Mike. That um, when we bang twice on the trash can, that's the curveball. All right? Just want to let you know. Okay? Because we don't want to think that you're stealing signs. So we're telling you in advance. Here's the card. Here it is. It's got all the info. What do you think's on that card? Um, what do you really think is on that card? How to, how to pitch to certain players. How to pitch to... Or uh, tendencies the guy might have. Sure. Now, you're telling me you can't remember that? Oh no! Right, right. Anything, anything that important should be memorized. Do? Yeah. Oh come on, Mike! It's like the I'm nuclear just, code. I'm just gonna. I'm only gonna <laughs> ask you this: If it were a Blue Jay player, not Kevin Kiermeyer, in that situation, do you honestly think they would have done anything different? No, no I, I actually don't. I personally don't think this is a big story, or yeah, but I think it's worth uh, talking about. Like, I think it's great fodder for people like us and for all the sports radio personnel, et cetera. Like, it's a great debate and discussion to have, I think. I, okay. and, and we have it all on tape, which is kind of unique. Like, we don't have to hear secondhand stories. Like, I saw this, I saw that. We can watch right. him pick up the paper. But in actual fact, the real story, Mike, was it not the umpiring and how horrible the umpiring was and how it really had an effect on mm -hmm. the Blue Jays, especially. Mm -hmm. And Pete Walker's explosion was the culmination of that. The story wasn't, he stole my card and didn't give it back. And then, and then they put in shots. The other thing is Sportsnet put in shots of Charlie Montoyo and Kevin Cash around the batting cage, sort of somewhat embracing. But they didn't tell you the timeline of that. They didn't say when that shot was taken. I think there was a bit of deception there that made the viewer think because Kevin Cash had apologized and because there was video of the two of them around the batting cage that this matter had been dropped. There wasn't any time prior to Barucki hitting Kiermaier that I thought there was going to be anything going on. And if it was going to happen, it would have happened the night before. So 
that was sort of like nothing happened the night before. Then the big story that a rash comes out with a big, big story, big story. And, and Blue Jays officials told me that they were very upset at Tampa and right. manager Kevin Cash and Charlie Montoyo was upset when the bat boy came back allegedly and told them that, that, that they wouldn't give it back. The freaking bat boy works for Tampa. He's a kid that works for Tampa and is the visiting team's bat boy. Now, you're going to tell me, in all honesty, and I don't know how old this kid or anything, but you're going to tell me that this is the key here, that this that the bat boy went over there and said, you know, we want our card back. And they said, get out of here. Go fucking shine some shoes. <laughs> Stuff like that. Right? That's, That's like the bat good boy fellas. right now. That's him right now. It's a good fellas, <laughs> All right. I got a few places I want to go here, but one thing is um, you opened up here by telling us that you – much like Jerry Seinfeld says, you, you cheer for laundry. And I do this too. You cheer for the uniform. So whatever mm-hmm. body's in that uniform, you're going to cheer for it because you're a Blue Jays fan. Okay, many of That's us feel the same way. Meanwhile, it's the, it's, the, it's the crest on the front. It's not the name on the back. Right, except you, without a doubt, you have a uh, natural, uh, properly so, a dislike for George Springer because of the Astro scandal. Like, no, he, no, no. It's not a dislike. He's got to prove he's a $150 million man Prove to me that you're worth the money, but also that you're worthy of being a member of this baseball team. Prove to me. Prove to me that you're not trying to prove to yourself because of your ego that you're okay to play. Prove to me that you're a team player. And so far, he hasn't. He's been out there injured. He's hurt the team. Uh, I'm not saying, you know, strip me of the captaincy or whatever, but take me out of the lead. I'm not helping the team. I'm batting 100 and I'm the DH. Look, if he was batting 100 in his last 40 at-bats, but he was playing fantastic center field, no problem. But he's, but he's not doing anything. As the DH, he's clogging up that position, and he's not producing. So, so if you're he, the DH, you have to produce offensively. If you're the DH and you're the leadoff hitter, doubly so. You've got to get on base and set the... Why is, how come Vladdy is not part of the Triple Crown discussion anymore? Do you know why? Springer's not on base for, for Vladdy to drive in. Got it? And Simeon, who's hitting ahead of Vladdy, has got 41 home runs. So where's Vladdy going to drive runs in now? Where's he going to get those ribbies? The Oscars got them. But it's because Springer, your leadoff man's not getting on base. 0 for 5 last night, 0 for 5 the night before in games that you've got to win. So I don't hate Springer. I hate the way he's playing. He's not playing good enough, and he's not contributing to this team. So even though Buck Martinez thinks that... uh... George Springer is more comfortable in the leadoff spot. Uh, Hebsey man is not. I don't know what that means. Not comfortable. I don't know what that means. And I don't know how Buck would know this. Time. Buck's sitting at his home in Florida. <laughs> unvaxxed. How would he know? Like, did he say, I spoke to George Springer on thing? Or did he just, is he, I don't know, reading notes or something? How does he know? And what does that mean? He's more comfortable in the leadoff spot. If he's not in the leadoff spot, is he going to like throw a tantrum? Is this the kind of player we've got here? It's great to see him in the dugout with the guys while he was on the IL. You're damn right. 150 million, you better be there helping your teammates out. But man, you can't come up with the bases loaded or in key situations where they need base runners. He's got two extra base hits, two doubles in his last 40 at-bats. One of them is a bloop double he hit the other night. to no man's land. He's hit a few balls hard. Yeah, but come on. You've got to justify your position as the leadoff hitter and the DH. And, and there's no tomorrow. Like, we're running out of tomorrows. Like, it's now yeah. or never. This is the time. Now's the time, George. It's right. great that you're running it out, you know, hustling for doubles and all that with your bad knee. It's great. But, geez, get on base. Mm. Do something. 
Now, mm-hmm. Barucki, Ryan Barucki, was he wrong? Should he have not retaliated? Uh, is this two wrongs don't make a right? All that stuff like that. I mean, he drilled him in the back with a 93-mile-an-hour fastball. That ball didn't slip out of his hands. Right. right? He knew exactly what he was doing. And even though you cannot measure intent, that was an intentional hit. He, went, he meant to hit him. Look at the situation. They weren't going to get up again. They're not seeing Tampa during the regular season anymore. They might see him in the playoffs. Baruki is not an effective pitcher on this team, no matter what you say. I mean, look at the pitching staff and go, oh, boy, boy we got a great staff. Well, we got some great starters until Matt's faltered and Ryu's hurt. Now you're going to go with a three-man rotation down the stretch, right? Yeah, because you got that off day next week. And so Ryan Barucki is not an effective pitcher. Right. He's not going to get anybody out. So what do they care? You know, you're telling me Jordan Romano would have done that? No way. And also the possibility that someone could have gotten injured with 10 games to go in the season in a pennant race because you threw at a guy. Right? It's great to go, oh, yeah, to make you feel better. But what if, what if the bench is empty? What if Laddie got tackled? What if something happened? Right? What if Kermeyer got hurt? What if you injured him and he couldn't play for Tampa? Man, you can't, you can't do that, man. You got to pick your spots. The timing was bad. And, and, and how did the Jays react after that? Because how many people went, yeah, good, you hit him, okay? It's going to spur the Jays on to victory. Oops, wait do you see what happens after that. They're going to be loaded for bear. Oh, yeah, they were loaded for bear last <laughs> night. They got beat 7-2. They got to win the next three against Minnesota. They got Berrios, Robbie Ray, and Alec Manoa, their best starters going. The team's one full game back of the Yankees for the final wild card. Boston's two games up on the Yanks for home field advantage, and those two play each other at Fenway this weekend. Three games, Yankees and Red Sox. Beautiful. What are we hoping for there? Here's what we're hoping for. Jays have to win all their games. They've got to win the next three in Minnesota. Two out of three is not going to do it. And the Red Sox, if they can take two out of three from the Yankees, then we got a flat foot tie heading into next week's series at Skydome where the Jays are hoping more that they can put 30,000 people in there. They care more about that than whether they can win or not. That's what they're caring about. They're putting all their energies. we got to have more people come well, and watch us play. Different people. I think they can do both. I got it. But I'm just saying that. Come on. Priorities here. You've got to win every game. Are you going to do it with George Springer hitting leadoff? you make it a little more difficult. But you've got three good pitchers, man. Three maybe of the best starters in the American League going here, right? Really good. I mean, Alec Manoa yeah. is going to be the best of them all. And this kid is dynamite. So let's win all three in Minnesota. Let's hope to be even with the Yankees coming into that series at Skydome. Up one would be great. Down one, not so great. Right? And, um, you know, go for it, man. Because even if one team is up or down by a game, that three-game set against the Yankees is crucial. Crucial. What's going to happen, Mike? What's going to happen? It ha- like, we're, we've lost two in a row. I think that's the first time we've lost two in a row since, like, late August. Like, August 27th, 28th. So that's even before... TMLX eight. Okay. So <laughs> I just wanted to work that in there. Uh, man, I got to say this. Uh, thank goodness. It's exciting. Like uh, there's so many years uh, recently where we've been kind of tuned out by now because there's no hope for this team. And it's exciting that we have games to get excited about. You know, I just, I just dig the fact that we talk this much blue Jays off the top. Yeah. We're not done yet. No. Any ranters out? Anybody agreeing with me on, on YouTube today? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because, I've been I, so- you know, because it was like, there was like these two factions. There was this, yeah, the Jays did that right. They should have thrown at Kiermaier. Kiermaier is an asshole. Kiermaier is a thief. He should be in jail. <laughs> and then there's the other half going, oh, come on. 
it's probably not half and half. It's it just ridiculous. sounds that way. Uh, I have to admit, I took my eye off the chat, but it's vibrant. There's so it's almost going to take me uh, twenty minutes to catch up here. But uh, you've got your uh, your listenership engaged. That's for sure. Good, 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 good. So, so that's the American League situation. You know, the Jays really can control their own destiny. But man, you can't be losing to Minnesota. So they got to win the next three games. A, a split is not going to do it. If that's the case, you got to hope Boston sweeps the Yankees. Right. Right. And I, I mean, they could, they could Boston, or the Yankees could sweep Boston. Who knows? But I don't know who to root for in that series. I know I'm rooting for a sweep. If one team sweeps and the Jays can win the next three against Minnesota, we're in good shape. Especially if the Red Sox sweep the Yankees, we're right. in really good shape. We're two up on the Yanks. Anyway, let's not get ahead of ourselves. In the National League, it looks like it's going to be the Dodgers hosting the amazing St. Louis Cardinals in the wild card game. Redbirds have won 12 in a row. They're four and a half games up on Philadelphia for that final wild card spot, so they pretty much got that. But the Phillies are only two back of Atlanta in the National League East. Two back. And guess who play each other this weekend in Atlanta? The Phillies and Los Bravos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got uh, not just one pennant race going on here. We got a couple of them, and that's good. But if you're a Cardinal fan, you got to love it. 12 wins in a row in September. 12 in a row. They were dead and buried. Worse than the Jays were back when they were, what, nine and a half back of the Yankees. And now they've won 12 straight. Wow. Fabulous. <laughs> and St. Louis is such a good baseball city. It's such a great baseball town. And they got the Canadian kid, Tyler O'Neill, too, playing on left field. So good stuff there. Now, Jay's play-by-play announcer Dan Schulman pointed out on Twitter yesterday that there are only two teams in Major League Baseball that he knows of, he believes it's the Cubs and White Sox, who are sending their television announce crew on the road. And that fans really shouldn't be upset that Dan and Buck and Pat Tabler aren't uh, on the road doing games from the ballpark. As I mentioned, Sportsnet's been sending Arash Madani on the road, and that investigative report of his presented quite dramatically. Got this whole uh, card gate thing going. Got us talking. Good. No, no, for sure. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a bad look when the announcers who are at home have to call on a rash for information because he's at the park and they aren't. It's weird. So a few times, and I can't remember what game it was, there was something going on in the field and, and, and Dan and Buck were speculating as to what it was. And I'm like, call a rash. He's there. Like, you know, flip the switch. He should have a live mic. And again, I don't know what kind of setup they have on the road. It's like, look, here's a microphone. You can use the camera here, or, or we're not putting you on camera because that'll cost more money, right? We'll hook you up with audio. And if something happens there that you, you know, since you're right down in the field, supposedly, can let us know, then do so. So I'm tweeting out, like, you know, where's Arash with all this? He's there. And then, I don't know, two minutes later, let's go down to Arash, you know, that kind of thing. It's hard, man. It's going to be really hard. And luckily, when they come back to the Dome, Dan will be in the booth. I wonder if Buck will be in Florida or if it'll be Pat mm. in the booth with Dan or all three of them. I don't know. I'll bet against all three of them. Yeah, I'll bet against that. It'll too. be one of the all other. Right. All right. Now Speaking we of, talked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for interrupting here, but uh, you mm-hmm. said something when we were chatting about Leo Rodin's uh, being booted off the Sportsnet broadcast of Raptor Games. You mentioned Jim Houston getting the tap on the shoulder. And I would love for you to elaborate on that because. By all accounts, uh, he chose to retire, but are you suggesting he was told to retire? Uh, I don't know, man. I could speculate anyone else. It's Is it my business? No. But 
you got to wonder how a guy who was, you know, I don't know, went into the Hall of Fame not that long ago and had a vibrant career as the number one guy at Sportsnet and the guy doing the Stanley Cup final that suddenly you never hear from him again. Like he didn't do any games last year. Well, that's okay. I have this insight. And then, and then it's announced prior to the season that he's retired. So Sportsnet went to their personnel and said during this COVID time, if tell us if you do not want to travel and we'll accommodate that. Like I think Buck took advantage of this, for example, but Jim Houston is one of the ones who put up his hand and said, I don't want to travel. So last season, he only called Canuck games that were at home. And he did not go he on did? the road. Yeah, he, he called home Canuck games. On what? On radio, TV? No, at Sportsnet, Sportsnet yeah. As far, so, so as far as I know, he did work last year, but I only John Shorthouse did those games. Uh, okay, Christine Simpson told me he was calling Canucks games. but not, Oh, okay, I wasn't aware of that. I, I never heard him. I mean, in this market, we never... Did you... I can't remember. Like, I honestly can't remember. But I do okay. remember being under the impression that Jim was just not leaving Vancouver. Like, he wasn't getting okay. on a plane. And then I... So, it's. I have two thoughts on this. I actually gave this some great thought yesterday. I have an inside source who talked to Jim Houston, like, I don't know, uh, before... I don't know, like, four months ago or something. And Jim was contemplating retirement at that time. Like, hanging up his uh, his headphones or whatever. And it it's possible that they told him, okay, this season you have to travel and he didn't want to travel. Like it sounds like he's being super caught. He's a 64-year-old guy who doesn't want to fly around uh, with this virus everywhere. Now, I think maybe that kind of, maybe he, that might have caused him to, you know, retire at this point. But also it's worth noting that he did quite well for himself. Uh, I've heard he might've been making like almost a million bucks a year or whatever. And maybe at 64 years, he's, uh, he's good with it all. And he's uh, ready to just enjoy life in, uh, in British Columbia. Remember once it becomes work, that's not fun anymore. And you can afford to say goodbye. Good on you, man. If that was the case, good on Jim. <clears throat> it's about quality of life. You're 64 years old. You're thinking, Look, I'm 65. You're thinking to yourself, all right, how many years have I got left of, you know, a, a healthy, vibrant lifestyle if I want to live that, you know, and how many years is that going to take off well, of me? Yeah. I was going to say, right? based on your parents, you've got several decades to go. Well, several decades to go. But again, when you reach that age, you go, but that's 15 years. Out of those 15 or 20, let's say there's 20 years. Let's say he says, okay, until in my mid 80s, I can, and then maybe I can take it easy there. I don't think anybody wants to retire from something that they enjoy doing. Right. Like but Bob once Cole. it becomes a chore oh. and you look and say, do I need to make another couple of million in the next two years? Right. Or am I okay where I can start spending the money that I've saved and enjoying the life that I have? Because especially with COVID, I don't know how many more like you. And, and I, I'm sure Jim and other people have been affected not necessarily directly, but by people that they knew that suffered from COVID, the scare. Sure. Maybe they haven't recovered fully. Maybe they're not the person they were before. And you're looking at your own life going, you know what? I got to start living because right. I don't know what's going to freaking happen. And so why not? You look at your portfolio and go, I'm fine. I'm good. How much do I need to have? I think that's what happened here. I'm not certain he got good that tap Jim. on the shoulder. I think he might have just called his shot here and said, Man, I'm, that's I'm great. done. I think it's great. And you know what? He leaves on top. His legacy is clean, right? Yeah. Went out on his own terms. Good for him. You now, know, a lot of Leaf fans. I'm not sure that was the case with the ahead. other announcers recently. Who? Going oh, out on their own terms. Leo Reddell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, that was a bloodletting. Hey, Sportsnet, that's a bloodletting. What are we going to do this week? All right. Leo, out. 
Houston, out. Zygomanis, out. What about next week? Well, let's wait. In the meantime, sports TV, sports radio in this city, in this country, has gone cuckoo. We don't know what's going on. Nobody's job is safe. I mean, Routens was doing games since day one. Mm -hmm. There was no indication that he wasn't doing a good job. In fact, I, I thought he got better and better as an analyst. Right. Um, but instead, sitting next to Mac Devlin will be Alvin Williams, who is unproven as an, a color analyst. He's done some TV, sure. Um, he's got strong ties to the team, right? He worked in management. He was director of player development for the Raptors. He was an assistant coach for the Raptors. He played for the Raptors. And now he's going to be a Raptors mouthpiece alongside Matt Devlin. He's not there to be a journalist. He's not there to to question or criticize. He's there to, you know, help boost the team's fortunes, which is perfectly fine in this day and age of sports broadcasting. You don't need to have the journey. You don't need to have your play-by-play and color guy cutting up the team, right? What do you want that for? You work for the team. We want you to, we, we want you to boost the team as much as possible. And even if they're horrible and awful, you don't have to say it in so many words. Sugarcoat it, baby. The broadcasters don't come on a game and... Ladies and gentlemen, just want to let you know, I am not being paid for by the team, and the comments are mine and mine alone. You don't hear that. you got to figure that out for yourself. And when you've got a home announcer, that home announcer is a homer. Should be a homer. You're the home team announcer. Right. You think Joe Bowen ever considered going, oh, you know what, I don't think I'm going to root as much. I want to be impartial. No, it's not a Hockey Night in Canada. He's doing Leaf broadcasts. The Leafs on radio. Leaf fans tune in. Non-Leaf fans don't tune in. And if they do, they don't expect, wait, how come Joe's rooting for the Leafs? It's a Leafs broadcast. This is a Raptors broadcast. All right? Now, Mike, I suggest to you that somebody somewhere looked at Raptors television, looked at the crew and said, got to change the look, got to change it up, whether it's too old, too white, whatever. So Routens is out and Alvin Williams is in. And also Amy Otterberg takes over as the Raptors sideline reporter. She's a, a fairly experienced basketball broadcaster, a former player, went to University of Miami from, I think she's from down in um, Niagara Falls. Yeah. Uh, coached at Niagara College too. Anyway, she's very experienced, but she takes over on the floor, um, which means that uh, Daniel Michaud and Eric Smith, who both got nutmegged on the deal, are like out. You know, you're bad. They're on. I mean, Eric's not going to do those games. He's going to do radio for Fan 590, but he's not going to be on the sidelines for Sportsnet anymore. That's going to be Amy Otterbert's job. Hmm. So he's going to continue to do play by play and radio with Mark Jones on 590 for 41 games. Paul the Jones. TSN radio crew is the same. It's Jonesy and Sherman Hamilton for 41 games. The TV crew is the same Matt Devlin and Jack Armstrong. You say that Routens has said that he'll be back as studio analyst, but we don't know if Rod Black is going to be hosting that panel. Kate Burness going to do that. Kayla Gray going to do that. Who's going to do sideline reporting for TSN? So many questions. Why not just consolidate the Raptors TV broadcast crew? Interesting. I, I I don't know. I think that each network wants to have their own unique stamp. So you got these these certain people like a Jack Armstrong. He's like he belongs to TSN, and you got Eric Smith. You mentioned he belongs to Sportsnet. Like there's certain guys who only like have an exclusivity contract of one side, and then you got the guys like Leo was doing in Devlin and stuff who could play both sides. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that many people know the difference. 
I don't really think that many people go, hey, it's a TSN game. Which oh, I think you're wrong. I think, I think I think Raptor fans know. I think you just flip the game on and you watch the game. No, no, and no. And that's, oh, that's Leo. Oh, that's Matt, right? But I don't think it's necessarily, if that's Leo, we got to be watching Sportsnet. If that's Jack, it's got to be the TSN game. And then when you do the radio thing too, it's like, you know, how many times have you gone on the radio and gone, where's that game? Well, it's a Leaf game. Where's the Raptor game? Well, it's on 680 this week because something else is going on. <laughs> yeah, there's a Jays game. Or something. <laughs> yeah, there's a Jays game or something like that. Anyway. Jays got priority. Uh, okay, so a couple of couple of questions here. Uh, Zigomanis, can we dive into that one? Because uh, this is a big shakeup on the Fan 590 morning show. And this one is not, I can tell you now, this wasn't a cost-cutting thing. Like, this was... So, <laughs> I don't think Zigomanis was making the, the big bucks that they need to co- cut that cost. I so, think... Uh, this was inevitable. Don't you? I mean, we've been discussing this for quite a while. The fan morning show has been a topic of discussion for a long time. Years sure. now. I mean, how many different morning shows have they had since Brady and Walker? Yes, yeah, like the curse of Blundell. <laughs> well, after Blundell, then what happened? Oh, they brought, I'm trying to remember now, but they brought back brought Brady back. Brady, right. And then Ashley right? Docking? With Ashley Docking. And then with Elliot Price. Right. Oh, no, wait a second. With Elliot Price, then with Ashley Docking, and, and then Hugh with Burrell. Ashley Docking was with MacArthur and Zigomanis. Right. Then one of them said, if she stays, I go. We don't know which one. She was gone. And then Zigomanis is gone. And now it's Scotty by himself. Julie Stewart Binks is, uh, you know, a name that's been thrown around as a possible sidekick. Maybe he does it by himself. Maybe he does it by himself. Can Scotty Mac go it alone? I mean, there are morning show guys who go, guys and gals who do it solo. But this, when, when you're talking sports, I think that would be uh, that would be difficult. Because it's one thing to be Stu Jeffries. I did and you, it. you talk for the like, mornings. <laughs> and I feel like uh, the talk show. Although you know, John Moore, uh, although he has, you know, John Moore is the sole uh, host of the Ten Ten Morning Show. So there are examples. But uh, I, w- I, what do you think? Like, tell us what you predict for the Fan Five Ninety Morning Show here. I don't care. You don't care. No, I don't. Right. Was Ziggy any good? I, I never heard Ziggy on the radio. Was he any good? Who? Uh, Zigamanis. No. Shouldn't have been thrown in there in the first place. Mm-hmm. They probably did it on the cheap. So let's throw a hockey guy in there. We'll throw a girl in there, Ashley Docking. We'll throw Scott MacArthur in there. We'll see what happens. And I believe I mentioned to you when it happened, I said the first thing they should have done, if they were serious about having those three, they should have taken them all up to some retreat for a weekend, get them to know each other, right. do some shtick, throw out some situations, get comfortable with each, with each other before you put them in a booth and expect listeners to go, oh boy, the chemistry is fabulous here. It was awful. You just can't do that. You know, Mike, when you and I started doing these podcasts, you know, it was a feeling out process, but we knew each other. We had spoken enough times off the air. We had had conversations Right. Well, and we had so recorded it together. A easier. We had done a few Toronto Mike episodes first. Yeah. So we had. But it. had we never met or only heard of each other, and now, all right, go. Right. And you added a third person. Right. Come on. Right. Can't have it. So, By the so, way, Greg Brady yeah. pointed out to me. Yeah. That um, he and Elliot Price, along with Hugh Burrell on that morning show, mm-hmm. had a seven point five share after Dean Blundell was fired, uh, and for the past three years, no morning show has had anything over a three share, the TSN or the Fan 590 morning shows. And the TSN, we didn't even talk about the TSN morning show. Landsberg gone. Carlo Koliakovo by himself. I don't even know who's been doing the show. I've heard voices and I, I, 
and they don't identify oh, themselves. I thought you said it was that Aaron uh, Korolnik. Oh, Aaron Korolnik, right. Korolnik, but there yeah. was he was on with somebody else, and I don't know who. The other, and, and I'm listening to the fan the other day, and it's it's during the day. No, Oh, no, I know what it was. I'm listening to the Dan Patrick show, which they air on TSN 1050 in middays, okay, which is a great show. Dan Patrick is awesome. And then I flip over to the fan, and they've got, it's. I guess it's Ben Ennis and J.D. Bunkus, but Ben wasn't there, so it's J.D. Bunkus by himself. And he goes like 20 minutes on a rant about all kinds of things. And then slips in some betting stuff because he's got some betting, you know, sponsor in there. Sure. He's, you know, here's the lines with so-and-so you know, out of nowhere, kind of all of a sudden is handicapping three football games for the NFL. And then back into some other stuff. But, but he's sort of asking questions and answering his own questions. And I'm waiting to hear another voice in there. Like somebody, some my guest is, or joining me on the line is so-and-so. Finally, he ended up interviewing uh, Dan Schulman, which was pretty good. But I thought, man, like 15 or 20 minutes by yourself on the radio these days. That's a t- that's tough. Yeah, to Gene Valaitis points out, though, that Jim Rome has been doing that for 30 years. and uh, Romy is great. And he's great. So, S- Scotty Mack. But Romy gets great be- phone calls, too, right. in the jungle. Sure. sure. Have a take and make sure it doesn't suck. Don't suck. And KM points out that if there was a morning show like this one he's listening to right now, he says he'd be listening. I couldn't sustain this five days a week getting up at four o'clock in the morning. If this was a 930 in the morning kind of morning show. So we could do this show for the 930 in the morning Eastern time. Perfect for the folks out in Western time zones, right? Pacific time zone. Vancouver, Mike. Perfect for you guys. 6.30, 7.30 in the morning in the mountain. Great. Would we I'll have to talk about uh, the Whitecaps and the Canucks and the Lions? No. Okay, no. good. No chance. <laughs> in golf, the Ryder Cup is underway at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin, U.S. versus Europe, and the alternate shot foursomes, uh, which are going on right now as we speak. I don't know. The score doesn't matter at this point. I'm going to get into it. But you got, uh, you got Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas for the Americans against John Rahm and Sergio Garcia, the Spaniards. You got Dustin Johnson. Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law, and Colin Morikawa against Paul Casey and Victor Hovland. You got Brooks Kepka and I know you wanted to say Bryson DeChambeau, but no. <laughs> Kepka and Daniel Berger against Lee Westwood and Matt Fitzpatrick. And Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley against Rory McIlroy and Ian Poulter. And then tomorrow you've got uh, four, four ball and singles on Sunday. It's a whole big deal. It's, it's uh, the U.S. versus uh, Europe in the Ryder Cup. Very hey, exciting stuff. So you, you love this, right? This is up right it's up It's a great alley. competition. Okay. Very exciting. Um, should mention to you that Crosswinds, I got rained out twice this week at Crosswinds. We were going to play the other day and the, the, the course was had so much water that, that I didn't want to, right? It wouldn't, wasn't, wouldn't be as enjoyable and you got to let it, after that much rain, you got to let the course settle and you got to let the drainage take effect Tremendous amount. So, you know, better for the golf course because it's going to be beautiful late September and October golf at Crosswinds. Um, and I tell you right now, Mark McClure is not going to let that place get out of shape at all. It's beautiful. So uh, go online, crosswindsgolf.com. Book your tee time now. Uh, the weather's going to be much better. Uh, listen, global warming, folks. We're going to get beautiful golf weather right into November and maybe even to December. You know, the Great Cup is like December 12th this year in Hamilton. It's going to be beautiful. It is. Promise? I mean, that's the one good thing about global warming. Oh. It is, is that right. we're going to have a much milder fall and winter, I think. 
or it's going to be a freezing cold winter. And yeah, or I'm going to pull this clip and say, remember when you said this, Hebsey, and it's like minus yeah. 30 degrees or something? Yeah. Well, we'll no, see. I didn't say every day. I just oh, think yeah. that with, you know, it's pretty obvious, Mike, sure. that global warming is taking Oh, effect. I do not deny that. That's okay. for sure. That's all I want to say. So <laughs> get out to Crosswinds and take advantage of global warming. Crosswindsgolf.com. Okay, hockey Jack Eichel was stripped of his captaincy by the Buffalo Sabres. No surprise there. Raising further questions about his future in Buffalo. He doesn't want to play there. Okay, because like he's got this neck injury and it's this whole, the Sabres are saying it should be fused and Eichel's like, we don't want to do that. And he's already been out for six months. It's a whole clusterfuck with this team. Has been for years with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, and so the taking the C, like here, Kevin Adams, the GM is like, well, the captain is the most important player, the lifeblood of the team. Bullshit. I mean, come on. We're not talking about the 16 NHL anymore, the days of Bobby Clark or whatever. No, the captain means nothing. More captains have been traded by teams. Captain doesn't mean shit. It's usually the kiss of death. You get named the captain and pretty soon you're going to get traded or, 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 or you're, something's going to happen where they're going to strip the C from you. I remember years ago, man, Daryl Sittler, you know, Lanny McDonald got traded and Daryl Sittler said, I'm taking the C off my jersey. They made a big production of it. Brian McFarlane, Hockey Night in Canada, have the cameras in there while Sittler took the scissors and physically cut the C off. Oh, what drama it was. Folks, trust me when I tell you. It's great to say the best player on the team gets to be the captain. It's sort of always the way it's been, right? George Armstrong was never the best player on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he was the captain because why was he the captain? Because I don't know. Did the players vote him in to punch him? Like say, army, you're my captain. Right. Did he have three or four shitty games? And him like said, I'm going to take that. I'm going to rip that C off of your Jersey. So really it's more of a, I don't know. It's a thing of the past. You got a team of players. Okay. Does the captain with the C say, all right, boys, I'm the captain. Follow me. Climb on my shoulders. Sometimes. We're going to win. Sometimes. Sometimes. But like Mark, the Mark Messiers, so for example. For sure. So yeah. when they gave Jack Eichel the C, what were they expecting? You know what I mean? The Jack Eichel say, I want to be the captain of this team. I want to be proud, like Jill Perro, of wearing the C on the jersey. Who else wore the C on their jersey for the Sabres? I don't know. Is there a great tradition did, did, of Sabres captains? How about was Mike Pat Zellino, LaFontaine? Was, was LaFontaine a captain? LaFontaine, was he the captain? Was Jimmy Schoenfeld the captain of the Sabres? <laughs> Craig Ramsey oh, Mike ever Pekka. the captain? Mike Pekka was probably was captain. Was Mike Pekka the I bet you he was. Captain? He's, See, again, I don't know the history of Sabres captains. <laughs> Jim Schoenfeld? Jerry Korab? Was he a captain? King Kong Korab? I don't know. Right. I know Joe Perot was a captain. That's a long time ago. <laughs> and so what does the captaincy mean in Buffalo? For the Buffalo Sabres, nothing. What does the captaincy mean in Toronto? Rob Ramage was the captain. Dion Phaneuf was the captain. Right. I don't even know who the captain is. Of the, uh, is it yeah, it's John oh, Tavares, Tavares now? John Tavares. Again, I'm sorry. So, Jack Eichel, good luck to you, and good luck to the Sabres. Meanwhile, the Detroit Red Wings are set to play nine times in Canada this season, but it appears that unvaccinated Tyler Bertuzzi could be missing those games. Oh, yes. Red Wings GM Steve Eiserman spoke about Bertuzzi's vaccination status, which could cause him to forfeit 450 grand in salary for not playing those games in Canada. As an unvaccinated individual flying into the country, Bertuzzi would be unable to enter Canada and exit without quarantining, making his ability to play a mm, challenge. Yeah. Quote, Eiserman, it's his decision. I'm not in a position to force anyone. We can't force anyone to get vaccinated. I personally am vaccinated. 
My family is vaccinated, and I'll leave it at that. Wow. Meanwhile, Andrew Wiggins, another Canadian, by the way. Bertuzzi's Canadian. Um, Andrew Wiggins' decision not to get vaccinated against COVID-19 is an issue for the Golden State Warriors because the city of San Francisco instituted on August 20th that anyone 12 or older entering a bar, restaurant, club, gym, large indoor event, or any other business serving food or drinks indoors must show proof of vaccination. It includes players. Wiggins told reporters in March he would not get vaccinated. Many are calling for the Warriors to trade Wiggins, who is yet to appear in uniform this year and will not be able to play any home games unless he's vaccinated. Mike, I didn't even think about this. Are you allowed to enter the Air Canada Center, sorry, the Scotiabank Arena, when the time comes, if you're unvaccinated? No, I believe the answer would be no. You have to show proof of vaccination in Ontario, do you not? Does that apply to employees? Because somebody told me that to go to a restaurant, you have to be vaccinated, but to work at the restaurant, you don't. Like there might be a, if you work there, you maybe there's an, for some reason, I don't know why Doug Ford has this exception, but uh, it's possible that if you work there, you don't actually have to be vaccinated. But to attend the game, you definitely would need to be vaccinated but That's we have the to, stupidest have to dig into thing this. I no heard, i know isn't it? but i heard that like, but isn't that the dumbest thing yeah that is dumb like absolutely um but hebsey do we know like andrew wiggins for example has he said why he won't get vaccinated does, does he think the vaccine will make like do, like does he express like why he doesn't want to have this no. vaccination in his body okay interesting that i find this very interesting these uh what would you do if you're the golden state warriors and what if there are other buildings because that's a San Francisco city bylaw. But what if there, as time goes on, there are other buildings that have, and in this case here in San Francisco, it has nothing to do with the employees, everyone. Entering a bar, restaurant, club, gym, large indoor event. And, and Moose Grumpy is pointing out. Must show proof vaccination. Sorry for talking over you there. But Moose Grumpy says on your YouTube channel that MLSE is requiring proof of vaccination for everyone, including the employees. That's their company. But I'm not too sure. All right. A player. I don't know. We I don't know because they have a union. Look, the players player. entering the building. I'm sorry, you got to be fully vaxxed, baby. Fascinating. Okay, but when yes. when when players come to play the Blue, like like we don't have a hundred percent vaccination status on the Toronto Blue Jays, do we? I don't know. No, we. I doubt it though, because I feel I almost feel like if we did, they'd put out a press release. Like, <laughs> right. Like, you know what I mean? And and it's fair to say that visiting teams, there's no chance a hundred percent of these visiting teams at the dome are fully vaccinated. Like they're so so I don't know. Like I actually don't know. This is great question. How does for, how does uh, Valera go on the COVID IL list for a day and then comes off of it? And they, they say it was contact tracing. Yeah. You, so well, if that's yeah. the case and, and there's an outbreak, even a small one, and right. it involves a couple or three players. I mean, imagine in the heat of a pennant race, some guy on the Jays or on some team that's in test positive or, or is has to go on the COVID IL list because they came in contact with someone who tested positive. It's a, it's a day. It might be two days right. before you're clear to come back. I mean, this is all of this is really weird. It's all very weird. And Alan Gold points out that at that US, at the U.S. Open in New York City, uh, fans, umpires, and ushers, et cetera, all had to be fully vaxxed to right. enter the facility. But the players, the actual tennis players, did not have to be fully vaxxed. Mm-hmm. So there's Obviously a lot of that, that going on. Some so. type of an agreement there with where the players were, you know, I mean, the Djokovic and such, right. the anti-vaxxers are like, well, I'm not coming. Obviously, I won't be allowed to go. So they made an exemption. 
When you started Hebsey on Sports, we're 251 yes. episodes in. Did you ever envision the day we'd be discussing the uh, the players who refuse to get vaccinated and therefore need to be traded or uh, <laughs> not <least>? once? <laughs> no. Wow. Okay. Uh, be- before we go, Mike, this year the National Hockey League will feature helmet sponsors, all teams. I'm pretty sure. I know last year, you know, we saw Bell, we saw Scotiabank, we saw other uh, ads for companies on certain teams. We pretty much saw all the Canadian teams. So I don't recall if all the Americans, but just about every team does because you're now allowed to. This is the first season. And so it'll be interesting to see once the season begins where these logos and um, sponsors are located on the helmet and how long, of course, before you know, they're going to be in various places on the Jersey, on the visor. I don't know, on the uh, knee pads, <laughs> skates, well, for years, skates, you know, any close up of a guy skates and you can tell, you know, who the, the, you know, whether it's CCM or whatever. And so I'm just wondering if what it's going to look like. So, so already teams have come out with sponsorship agreements worth uh, apparently quite a lot of money uh, for the helmet sponsors, like the Seattle Kraken. Um, their helmet sponsor is Climate Pledge, which is the arena they're playing in, and also Amazon. Mm. Chicago Blackhawks, Bell Tire, mm. big, huge tire company in the U.S. The Detroit Red Wings, Meyer, which is a big, big uh, grocery store, big, uh, I think, department store, grocery store. Okay. Huge. M-E-I-J-E-R, Meyer, big in Michigan. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Bold Penguin. I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. The Maple Leafs, yeah. haven't made an announcement yet, but... There's rumors that Justin Bieber's clothing company, Drew House, which sent a whole bunch of swag to Leaf players and then recorded these players wearing the hoodies and the jerseys and the toques and the T-shirts. By the way, T-shirts are like 98 bucks and the sweatpants are like 200 bucks. So this is Bieber's clothing company. So I'm thinking, yeah, this is it. The Leafs are going to end up sort of being like the, the, the team that kind of breaks out into the celebrity uh, gear, the well, expensive, uh, you know, not Luluman, like up above that, the Bieber stuff. Well, think about it, Hebsey. The Raptors already have a business alliance right. with Drake in his yeah. his line, right? So the Drake Drake has the Raptors, and then Bieber has the Leafs. Well, and, and again, I doubt very seriously, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Leafs, if they were going to sell out for lots of money, not sell out, but if they were going to, you know, make money, you could make a hell of a lot of money. If you aligned your Farkakta hockey team with Justin <laughs> Bieber, you'd have these Bieberites who probably couldn't care less half of they're, them They're called hockey. Beliebers. Beliebers suddenly are going to be Toronto Maple Leaf fans because Beliebers. the Leaf players are wearing his stuff. The sponsor is his company, Drew House, which is his middle name. <laughs> okay. Justin Drew Bieber. Okay. So Drew House. And like, what the heck? <laughs> like, do I Like, does it matter to me if you're going to have advertising on your helmet so you can make, go for it. What do I care? Will there be a marijuana company? Will there be a booze no, company? No, no. Are you allowed uh, to do that? You're not allowed to do marijuana because it's in the tobacco gambling company? Uh, smoking uh, rules. You can gambling? probably do gambling now. Oh, I would think so. Huh? <laughs> I would think so. Open up the floodgates there. Slippery slope. Watch you out. Betcha. <laughs> okay. Anything else, Mike, before we go? Anything from the fans? No? I hear the music. Oh, well, funny no, joke. I, I thought it was funny. Eugene Belitis said, uh, Helmet sponsor. Isn't he a German poet? Helmet sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> It made me laugh. Anyway, <laughs> he was the poet laureate of the Reichstag. Yeah, okay. That's Shout it out to for Berlin. Hep- episode uh, two fifty one. 
of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks as always to Toronto Mike, my buddy, for production, for inspiration, uh, for wearing the Crosswinds cap, for wearing the, uh, oh, he's got the funky stuff going on there. <laughs> and um, you should hit him up uh, at Toronto oh, Mike. He's got a great podcast. This is interesting, I think, for you, Hebsey man, is that uh, okay. the aforementioned Greg Brady is in my backyard Wednesday morning. Nice. So we'll talk oh, I about. Also uh, go ahead. To you that the scheduled podcast with myself and Jim Taddy will not take place because you're holding out till Jim agrees to come on Toronto Mike. Something like that. <laughs> uh, thanks to our fabulous sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Go to CrosswindsGolf.com. Book your tee time online today. It's a fabulous place, nestled beautifully between Mount Nemo and the Niagara Escarpment. Gorgeous golf, fabulous course, super nice people. Great value, crosswindsgolf.com. And thanks for allowing us into your headspace. We know it's busy in there. Thanks for taking the time. Back with another episode next week. Hebsey and Mike saying so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome Phone. Rome Phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.